0: when I truly wanted to get clean, right? I needed to find something. I needed to find a greater force in my life than the force that addiction had over me. That's the only way I can describe it, because the love of my family and the love I had for them and they had for me and my friends and everything was not enough. And if they say love is the greatest force of all, maybe it isn't when it comes to addiction. So for those people who are struggling, I believe that we have the ability, we have the willpower to get over it, but you have to find that thing that will get you out of it.
1: Welcome to the 1000 Day Sober Podcast. My name is Lee Davy. I am not an alcoholic. I refuse to be anonymous. I am someone that doesn't drink alcohol and I spend every waking moment of my life helping other people do the same, like right now. Booyah! Okay, we all face challenges in life, right? Every single one of us, and some of us may even hit a rock bottom, and it's a struggle to get back up. Knowing where to begin is a feat in itself. Other people might be even afraid to try. This is also true with quitting and addiction. We feel alone, helpless, and fearful, but you're not alone. So many people are able to fight addiction and conquer it, and so can you. In this episode, Gabriel Cordell joins us to talk about his struggles after hitting his rock bottom as a newly sober paraplegic Gabriel traveled 3,100 miles, yes, 3,100 miles across America in his chuffing wheelchair. He shares how he was able to accomplish such an amazing feat, the inspirations he collected along the way, and how he has continued to remain sober amidst his challenges, okay? Three reasons why you should listen to this episode. Discover how a man in a wheelchair fought addiction as he journeyed across America. Understand how motivation and peer support help in quitting an addiction and learn and the mindset that helps you combat addiction. Gabriel Cordell is an actor, producer, motivational speaker, and star of the documentary film entitled "Roll With Me: A Journey Across America," a documentary that won acclaim in all no less than six film festivals. In 1992, 22 years of age, Gabriel got into an accident that left him paralyzed from the waist down. He also struggled with drug addiction for a while, but far from letting these challenges keep him down, Gabriel continued to pursue his dream of becoming an actor. He has rolled from Haifa to Tel Aviv in 2014 on a roll for peace campaign between Palestinians and Israelis. And in 2015, he has rolled 123 miles across Long Island, New York to raise money and awareness for North Shore Animal League America and Bianca's furry friends. As a motivational speaker, Gabriel shares his story of challenges and victory to a wide audience and hopes that his story inspires others to live up to their potential. And that's why I got him on. Live up to their potential. Okay. Everybody who is a member of this beautiful community, myself included, has told ourselves a story that we can't do X, Y, or Z. And we need to wake up and realize that the only person preventing us from reaching our goals and understand our untapped potential and power is ourselves. Everywhere you look for someone or something that is blocking your progress, you will find that the answer is you yourself. Okay, and when I watch "Roll with Me," which is on Netflix, by the way, all go out and watch it. It's an absolutely, it's amazing. It's so inspirational. When you say to yourself, "I can't run a mile," when you say to yourself, "I can't go a day without drinking," when you say to yourself, um, "I can't get through this craving," watch this guy. <laughs> Push his wheelchair from L.A. to New York and ask yourself again, can you really not do the things you don't think you can do? Or are we giving in maybe a little bit too easy because on this path of least resistance is comfort? As much as we think our life is horrific right now in the midst of addiction or disempowered relationship, it is still comfortable. We've grown accustomed to the pain, the misery, and the suffering, and we are frightened to death of the joy and celebration and the wonderment and curiosity that our life can be beyond our upper limit, so we self-targetize ourselves by saying, I can't do it. This guy shows that anything is possible. And that's why I got him on the show. Please listen to this. Please watch his documentary and get inspired to change today. Without further ado, I'll shut the hell up and leave you in the capable hands of Gabrielle Cordell. Gabrielle, my man, we were just saying before I press this record button, you thought I was in... Where did you think I was? I don't know
0: why I thought you were in Australia. I guess because the, po- the last few podcasts I did were in australia and i just assumed well what's your accent
1: see when you get a when you get a cross between an english accent and a welsh accent people actually do think you're from australia okay but i i'm just down the road from you i'm in tahunga oh you are oh
0: yeah <laughs> well i'm assuming you're still in la right yeah yeah i'm in la I, i'm about well, 30 minutes i'm about 30 miles north of you
1: yeah, when I started watching your documentary last night, I was like, oh, fucking hell, from Burbank. And, and my wife, it was my wife who got me introduced to you and, and to know more about your story. And she was like, right. yeah, I was I was telling you that. And I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, I wasn't really, <laughs> wasn't really listening. I, I, I just got to say straight from the outset, mate, um, what a documentary. Do you know what? I'll be honest with you, right? One of the most challenging things about having a podcast is when someone writes a book or they have a documentary and you read the book or you watch a documentary and it's shit and you have to (laughs) interview them afterwards. And I was watching it last night and it was riveting. I was in tears at the, so many times throughout it, but certainly at the end of it, I got to ask you this question. What was life like after it? Cause you, cause like that whole intense three months, was there a massive come
0: down when you got back home? Well, listen, first of all, uh, the actual trip was three and a half months. But remember, I prepped and trained mm. for mm. nine months before. So it was it was almost uh, one year of absolute intense focus. Wow. Wow. One year, not the three and a half months. And and to be honest with you, the nine months leading up to it was much harder than the actual role itself. Wow. Why was that? Well, because because I, I went from being a full time drug addict right and right. and everything else, you know, but like physically smoking and and doing all that to completely going cold turkey and starting to train for something that I had no idea what I was getting involved in, and uh I had no reference point because uh the couple of people that I mentioned in the film, not their names, but who did it in in the eighties, I couldn't mm-hmm. get in touch with them, and oh. so. So I I was just going by blind faith. And so those nine months were intense and to try to get a team and raise the money while you're training and trying to stay sober, you know, the, the joy was rolling across America. That was getting away from it, get away from it all. (laughs) That was the fun part. Like they say, well, in sports, you know, the fun, the fun part is on Sundays, but Mm. you know, Monday through Saturdays, that's, that's where all the work is.
1: I just had this view of you and all your mates just sat around having a joint and then someone just says out oh, why don't we just roll across America in a wheelchair and it's like yeah I'll be a fucking laugh and then the next day you just go out and do it you know it's like because there was a bit at the beginning where it was like um we're gonna go for like 3,100 miles was it or something yes and the fur- furthest you'd ever gone was a mile yes
0: well that I, I rolled in my wheelchair yes
1: Yeah. And there was this kind of like, um, there were so many different elements to it, but there was, there was this real kind of black humor about it as well. I mean, like when you were putting, when um, is it Lisa was, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, you and Lisa putting the team together and the way she's documenting that in the documentary, I I couldn't stop laughing. I was like, (laughs) what is this, what is this fucking guy doing? He should have like all these experts and he's got this team together that like, it just feels like they're going to cause him more grief Than actually help him. But let's talk about that a little bit because whenever we're recovering from whatever we're recovering from, having the right community around us is really important. And this, there's a microcosm in this in who you select to go on your journey.
0: So talk about that a little bit. 100%. Listen, you can have all the ability, you can have all the passion, the focus, the motivation, the drive, the commitment but without the support of the people unless it's something that you can literally do by yourself nothing gets accomplished you need people that's the, that is the most important ingredient in most people's success are the people they surround themselves with mm. so yes did i have the bad news bears of, <laughs> and and that's probably an understatement of <laughs> of uh of a film team but when I started on this journey, if it, if I started with that team supporting me and supporting my getting uh, sober, I would never I would never have made it. Mm. The YMCA, when I when I finished, when I when I said I'm done and I'm I'm going to do this and I committed to do this. Mm. I, I did my last line, smoke, smoked my last joint at that time, did whatever I did for the last time. And the next day I went to the YMCA. That community is what allowed me to stay focused that community showed me love showed me compassion showed me just the most they was they were so supportive it was overwhelming how supportive they were and they didn't know whether or not i'm going to be able to do this or not but they knew the drive i had and that team that community is what allowed me to be able to create this strong foundation so I can do this and handle anything that comes my way it was uh, it was um a beautiful metaphor
1: of the actual rolling across america and getting from like uh, la to new york it was it was almost like the journey of your sobriety in in a, in a way it was like it like it mirrored it the intensity, the struggles, uh feeling like you've like this is there's the scenes when you're going up those hills, man, you know, like and you're at that rock bottom and you've got to get to that top and you're not stopping. It's hard and you think you're gonna give up, but you find a way through it. That was the beauty of the filmmaking. It was quite exceptional how all that was put together.
0: It, I, I tell you, we had f- over four thousand hours of footage. Hmm. Wow. I had to take four thousand hours of footage and try to, to make it into an hour and a half of a cohesive story. Um it was just that's that's just the um a tribute to the director, Lisa, and the editor Jeff, who um who had the vision, who had the vision. And um I'm glad they pulled it off. Because the first the first cut was not like this.
1: Right, right. And you, you know? can see you can see as well that it it whilst you were the central focus there was these other lives around you and the inspiration that was coming from yourself, which was coming from nature, which was coming from the world, you could see it filling up these other souls. And it was beautiful at the end to see so many people, you know, forgiving or understanding why families had let them down and that kind of thing. Um, you know, talk a little bit more about that unity, of being together when you're when you're on that three and a half month trek.
0: Well, I'll tell you, um, that unity, well, listen, <sighs> these guys know I love them, right? They know I love them. I expressed to them how much I love them and I couldn't have done it without them. And to be honest with you, well, I'm not gonna say if I had to do it all over again, I would use them, but <laughs> but but I wouldn't not, I wouldn't say I wouldn't. Yeah. Okay, because I know that we made it. Yeah. That being said, the unity was lacking, to say the least. Right. Right. There were things in the film. There were things in the role that didn't make the film that would have pretty much showed the dysfunction that we had. And it was all the way through all the way through the three and a half months. There were problems every single day, Mm. every day. I could probably count on one hand, which is five fingers, how many good days we had as a team. Yeah, right. It did. It did come across like, It did come across like that in the
1: documentary. That okay. that it did come across in the documentary that these people are all getting on each other's tits big time. But there was also a component of it that was like, and I think this is what made it more magical for me. Was it despite everybody being a misfit, despite despite everyone being a circle in a, in a in a in a in a square hole, you somehow managed to all
0: get to the finishing line. That's the thing, is mm. that regardless, and that's what I was gonna say, regardless of how dysfunctional we all were, mm. right? Because we were all dysfunctional in some way, shape, or form, we never forgot the end goal. Mm. And what helped. To not forget the end goal are the people that we met every day along the way. They were probably the glue that kept us together are the people that we met along the way. If we didn't meet anyone, we would never have made it as a team. Hmm. Yeah, we We met so many different people of all walks of life who were so inspired that you can't help but rub off on us it It looked to
1: me like obviously it's very condensed in the like you said four thousand odd hours of footage into a in a doc- documentary, but the way that it was shot was you was really struggling, and all of a sudden another human being would come into the equation, and it's almost like you were you were able to suck some power out of them some energy out of them and get going was it like that and what was some of your amazing moments
0: meeting people i mean absolutely it, it was you know there was uh i mean from the day from from the day that we left from the day that we left and what we were e- we were even we were only 100 miles out of burbank hmm. 100 miles we were out east and we were picking up traction and people were hearing our story and we didn't get we, we didn't roll anywhere Hmm. I wasn't even out of California yet and it was picking up traction and people were coming out to, to see us and to meet us and to cover us if it was any kind of media. So that was instantly, instantly meeting people along the way. Tell us some of the stories of
1: the the people that really touch your heart that are some of the yeah, people yeah. really.
0: Well, listen, I mean, we couldn't put everyone in there, right? But obviously the one that touched me the most was Marco in New Mexico. And then, um, I forgot what's his name, the kid, the, I can't believe I forgot his name. I feel so embarrassed. He'll come. Yeah. The one where his father was waiting. His his father was waiting. Uh, Oh yes. I remember the young lion Um, with autism. Yeah. go -go. Go, 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 go. go. Right. Just people like that, it didn't matter. And it didn't matter whether they had a disability or not because, you know, just regular able-bodied people sharing their stories of of their struggles when it came to addiction, you know? So it wasn't just about disability. It was, Mm -hmm. you know, for me, it was about disability. It was about addiction. It was about the power of the human will, you know, and, uh, and all these people touched our lives in some way, shape or form when we were in Oklahoma, we got to reciprocate and we got to touch people's lives by helping them through the devastation that the tornado left them in a perfect example of when you said how, how you suck energy from the people that you meet. I was when we were rolling through New Jersey and those, those camp, the kid, the camp, yeah, the kids kids. and just, it was like, it was like, it was amazing. It was like, they just, they never stopped coming out and there was a lot more than what you saw on right. camera. there right. was a lot more. And I was shot. I was spent. And, um, they're just excitement, you know, and like, wow, this guy just rolled from California. And I was in New Jersey, you know, just stuff like that, man. It just, just re-energizes you in a way where it's just your adrenaline. One of the things that I've, um, I've realized
1: in my own introspection and my own addiction and my own life is the things that make that continue to make me small and to st- prevent me from stepping into my power. And one of those is the unwillingness of a part of me to just let go and just experience the world and the ease at which I could just hold myself like COVID to me. Is like ah uh, is 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 golden. I, I I can just hold myself up in my house in front of my computer doing my work, and I don't have to expose myself to the world because I've I think what's happened is throughout the years growing up in the UK, I've read too many books, I've watched too many TV shows, I've listened to too many news channels, um, that has given me this skewed view that the world is a very dangerous and tragic and horrible place, right? And right now, in particular, I'm in LA and. There's this storyline that's coming out of the news. I don't watch TV anymore, but my father-in-law watches it here. And then the the spew that I hear every day is America is divided. The people are divided. What was your experience being out on the road compared to
0: my skewed story of what the world is like? Uh, It's two different worlds. Because I think uh, for the most part, we all want the same. We all want to see each other thrive and do well. Be successful, be healthy, uh, be prosperous. I think I think that's the majority of what people want. When it comes to politics, you know, divided one hundred percent. But when it comes to emotional connection to one from one human being to another, um, especially when you see one human being put himself or put herself out there beyond what you think is possible, that. Creates this, this hope that, that people want, mm-hmm. that people yearn for. And, and that's, that's the one thing that was common from California to New York and all through the Midwest was when someone saw somebody doing something bigger than them, they wanted to be a part of it in any way, shape, or form. They wanted to be a part of that feel good, that look what's possible. And um, I rolled 3,100 miles. I had one guy in Ohio who said, get the fuck off the road. (laughs) One guy. That's it. That's not bad. That's it. And so I was just like, and it took me to get all the way to Ohio, you know, 2,500 miles, you know, for someone to say that. So, this country is amazing. The people are amazing. And if you show and you believe whatever it is that you want to do, you truly believe it and you're committed and people can see that, you'll have lines of people waiting to help you. Lines.
1: Interrupt this broadcast to bring you an important announcement. If you are struggling to stop drinking, it is because you're feeling a strong desire to drink alcohol. What if you had no desire? We will surely open up admission to 12 days of free training on how to remove your alcohol cravings. And if you want a piece of that bad boy, then email me at 1kdaysober at and we will give you a ticket priceless. Now back to Gabrielle Cornell so let's flip that a little bit then because i think it's really good to 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 talk about this because as you were saying when well i think it was a beautiful line when people see something happening that's bigger than them, they want to get involved in it right so let's just mark that in there and then go back to before you were you were rolling with it when you're at the height of your addiction we can touch upon your nephew as well like you know with his gang banging and his addiction So back then, we're missing that almost like epic journey or that epic win or that big time inspiration, okay? So why is it missing and what do we need to do to get it? Because obviously for people listening, they're not all going to roll from um, Los Angeles to New York, right? So how do we help addicts to find the secret source that you found on that trip in everyday life, do you think?
0: Well, look, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, and, you know, anything I'm going to say, you probably heard it a thousand times, but you heard it a thousand times because it's true. When you're ready to get clean, when you're truly ready to get clean, I wanted to get clean a thousand times. Hmm. Right. But when I truly wanted to get clean, right, I needed to find something, I needed to find a greater force in my life than the force that addiction had over me. That's the only way I can describe it because the love of my family and the love I had for them and they had for me and my friends and everything was not enough. And if they say love is the greatest force of all, maybe it isn't when it comes to addiction. Hmm. When it comes to addiction. And so so for those people who are struggling, I believe that We have the ability, we have the willpower to get over it, but you have to find that thing that will get you out of it. And, you know, and for everyone who, me, it took me rolling across America, you know? I'm not thinking it's going to take people to to do anything at that level, but it's something that means more to them than the addiction itself, you know? Yes, do you have to have a support team? 100% 100% you have to have a support team. Do you, is it maybe good to go and get re, rehabilitation, go into a facility? For a lot of people that works. I didn't need it because mm-hmm. what I found was greater than my addiction. And then at the end of the day, you you have to do it. And And the reason why people just don't go rolling across America every day, because there's a comfort zone that people are afraid to get out of. Just imagine if every person at one point in their life, just at one point, not for their whole life, just at one point in their life, lived up to their full potential. Just imagine where this world would be. But people are afraid to take chances. People are afraid to fail. People are afraid to get uncomfortable. And, And that's why you don't. That's why you don't see it as much. It's not because we can't it's because we don't want to just like addiction. You know, it's not that we can't. It's just that I, today I don't want to as much as I want. I say it, I truly don't want to. It's also where we're afraid to
1: succeed as well. Right. Like uh, I was succeed. thinking about, I was thinking about Chris, his Chris, your nephew's name,
0: right? Yes.
1: <clears throat> so I, I was thinking about, you know, Chris's issues. And if you think about it, in order for Chris to succeed, he had to have that conversation with his dad. He had to get out of that gang. He had to get out of that environment. But for him, they're like, they're my family. They're my life. I don't know anybody else. If I get out of it, I'm going to have to go through a period of pain and suffering, which is me being alone, which is akin to your pain and suffering of going up the Appalachian mountains, which is why it was such a great metaphor. So you can see why human beings just say, Ah, fuck that. Like subconsciously, not consciously, but subconsciously, fuck that. And then they sabotage it so they never have to change because they don't want to go through the pain and suffering to find the love at the end of it,
0: right? Right. Absolutely. Um, Well, listen, you know, speaking about Chris, um, for the last year, for the last two years, I've done a lot of podcasts. I've done a lot of interviews and not one interview or podcast that I've done, Chris was not asked about. And I can actually say for the first time, that he's doing so good. Oh, uh, good. He's been he's been clean and sober now for four months. Wow, cool. This is the longest he's gone since he was 13 years old. Right. And he's doing amazing. And um look, you know, I say this and it has nothing to do with being pessimistic and it has nothing to do with with not believing, but some people just don't get it. They just don't get it right? Hmm. And it's a shame, but, but it's just the reality of it. And, uh, that's, that's the frustrating part about it is, is, um, I only know what I've experienced and I know that it's possible, but for some people, no matter what you do or what you say, it just, it doesn't matter. It just, it gets them, it gets Hmm. them. You know, and that's a hard that's that's a, it's a hard thing to swallow. But it doesn't get most of us, but it gets a few so, of us. It does. And that's a that's a tough thing, you know?
1: Yeah, I'm a great believer. And this is this is one of my light bulb moments in waking me up. Is it is it understanding first understanding and first then and then secondly accepting that the only person that gets in my way is me right? Like I'm the only person who's going to block myself from achieving whatever I want to achieve. And because if you, and then if you uh, migrate towards your documentary and you see you in the most adverse weather conditions, terrible. I mean, I complain when my daughter, she's four now, I complain pushing my daughter's pram around the streets of Cardiff because it was too, because oh, I'm going to speak to the fucking council. You had to wheelchair through it, Right. And then I think to myself, wow, the only person that a hurricane can't stop this guy, lightning can't stop this guy, rain or wind, nothing can stop this guy except for him right now. Like his body's either going to fall apart and he's not just going to, he's not going to be able to do it or he's going to lose his mental will. But only Gabriel can stop Gabriel from doing this. Like, you know, and that's why I kept coming to all the time, watching
0: it. 100%. Um uh, listen, uh, and, and I want to answer a question that you asked in the beginning that I did not yeah, yeah, yeah. that about, about, what, the, what down, about the low but Yes, Um, but I had no idea, right? I had no idea that I could do this, hmm. but I had the desire and that's all you need is the desire and the will to do it. And after that, once you have, <laughs> I can tell you this much. There is there is a like um, in martial arts they talk about it. It's a uh, it's called chi energy, mm. and so this is an energy that is deep within your body, within your soul, right? And once you reach that chi energy, you become like the Energizer Bunny, and you mm-hmm. just keep going. Like you, there's no there's no ups or downs. You're just so in in. Focus, right? It's laser focus that nothing matters except the end goal. Mm. It's very hard to get to that point. It's very hard to get to that point, you know, but it's in each and every one of us. Because I promise you, I am no better than you or anyone listening to this or anyone in the world. The only difference is. I had the fortitude and the will to see it through. That's the only difference, Lee. Hmm. It's not that that what's inside of me is different than what's inside of you. It's just how bad do you want it? And that's what it comes down to. And how much how hard are you willing to work? That's all this about. Everything is tangible. It's not like you're trying to reach because it's not like if you put in the work then the commitment comes. And once the commitment comes, the focus and the dedication and never giving up, it all follows. It all follows. Just like when you go on a diet and you start going to the gym, before you know it, you're this freaking healthy gym rat, you know, that can't stand being around anyone who eats candy, you know. But you know <laughs> what I'm saying? It's just it's a momentum that carries you. Yeah. Right. And that's and that's that's the thing that most people don't want. They work all day. And the last thing, thank God I didn't have to deal with a full-time job while I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. This was my full-time job, you know. But most people, they have a full-time job, they have families commitments, bills they have to pay, you know. Um, but you mentioned something about the downtime. Like what happened to me when it ends, when it ended. When it ends, I was so focused for that one year. I lived the most pure life at the most heightened level of my life that I can possibly live in that, in that year. Yeah. And once it was finished the next day, once I arrived in my hometown, the next day I woke up and I was ready to go roll. And it was like, I don't have to roll anywhere. I like, like, what, what do I do? Like, I didn't know what to do with myself. And if I'm being honest with you, I uh, I fell off the wagon on three separate occasions. They were isolated. It wasn't I went on a binge. Like a, it was just three is. isolated incidents because I was so lost because I was, at that, I was living the highest level of life that I can live. Hmm. And now it's just gone. That's it. I did it and now what? And I crashed. I crashed, brother. Um, But what happened, but what I didn't allow to happen is to allow my addiction to overtake the situation. It was just an isolated situation that I did. And then I realized if I go back into this, everything I just did means nothing, means nothing. Even though I still did the, accomplished it, it means nothing. Because the hope and the inspiration that I gave to so many people who had addiction problem, and they looked at me as someone that they can go to or think about when they're in a moment of weakness, and I go back, and I do that. So I was done with my addiction. Addiction had no more control over me. And you
1: you learned that through that experience, right I mean I there's learned. there's I always say to people when they're when they're like they're doing the Stride method for addictions and in my community we, we we talk about the word failure because it's the only word in the dictionary that really kind of describes what we're talking about right but we're always saying that you know, there is no failure if we're willing to learn about why this just happened and then tweak, test, and polish so we move on as a much more rounded human being as a result of that incident, as, which is very different to, oh, I, in my case, like I just drank. I'm not going to learn from this episode, and I'm just going to let my addictive lifestyle just take over and just go off it again. But if I can look at that, so, for example, I went three years without drinking, and then my wife left me. And I didn't have a mental map of what it was like without having a, a marriage. And I drank. I was in Vegas. I drank. And I drank for a month, right? Because I didn't have a mental map about hey, what would happen if something happens in my life that I have never experienced before? Right. What would happen to me? And I and I know what happened to me. I drank, but I also knew through looking at that that a I didn't have a support system around me, and nobody understood me. The people who I was with, for example, didn't even stop me from drinking. Right. Right. Um, and and two, I was stronger than my addiction. Like you're saying, like there was there was no way my addictive life was going to take over. It never got back to that. Actually, my right. son, my little son, he was 10. I was having dinner with my son and I ordered a bottle of wine and he was like, I thought you said there was no value in drinking alcohol. And I went, Oh yeah. And that was it. And then I haven't had so much as a wine gum. <laughs> or a chocolate <laughs> cure in the last 10 years. You know? Oh wow. You know, so that's, that's good. I can imagine like your your journey to because I say this to my wife yesterday. I used to work in a poker industry, and you'll see poker players winning
0: like I'm an avid series. poker player. Hey there, there you I go. Love, that's right. that's that's how I make part of my money. <laughs> hey, boom. Well, you'll know some of these people. They
1: you know Dan Coleman, right? Yeah. Okay. So Dan Coleman wins the one drop, wins like, uh, some have seen like, uh, 18 million bucks or whatever. And then he says afterwards that once he won it, everything was downhill. He, he had no way of coping in the world outside of this kind of like made up version of what life was really like that really heightened him. And he reaches his peak and now he's got nothing, which is sounded. I said to my wife, this sounds very similar I, I wonder if Gabriel went through the same crash at the end of it. So I'm not surprised that you said that, you know, when you came back, you found it challenging.
0: I did. Yeah, I did. I found it very challenging. Um, and that's because um, I didn't have, even though I had a plan of these roles that I wanted to do after, I also knew that my body needed a break um, and that I couldn't get back into. And unfortunately I'm not the, the tech guy. I'm not the, you know, the social media kind of guy, you know, that would have taken this and run with it on social media and really just try to blow up my career. That wasn't me. Um, it's still not me, unfortunately. But yeah, it's unless you have something right away that's going to distract you, chances are you're probably going to crash hard, yeah. especially if you're an addict, especially if you're an addict
1: we interrupt this broadcast to bring you an important announcement. Now you may think you can do this alone. You may think that you can be the hero, but being the hero still means you're stuck in your own personal drama. Don't Be that hero. Be a warrior. Warrior knows when to reach out and ask for help. Warriors know the importance of a community. Strivers are warriors. If you want to join us today and work on your addiction and disempowered relationships, then email us at 1kdaysober at gmail.com and we'll see if you have the right stuff. Ready to be a warrior today? Come and join us. Now, without further ado, I'll shut the hell up and get back to Gabrielle Cordell. It's a great book by uh, Jay McGonigal called Reality is Broken. And she's a game designer. And she, she argues that games, poker being one of them, we can look at games and we can be like, okay, how can we incorporate games into our life? So in, in the case that you just ex- ex- explained, she says a game like Tetris is an unlimited game. There's no end to it. So, like when we have a game that has an end to it, we experience the fiero of the game, the flow, the buzz, but then the game ends and it's like a crash. It's like, oh man, where's the game gone? But if the game never ends and it keeps going, right now that's a different, that's a different kettle of fish. So I always say to people, you know, don't come to us and and, and, and allow us to help you quit alcohol. That's easy. Come to us and let us help you live a conscious life. You're gonna be doing that until the day you die. That, that means it's less likely that something like that's gonna happen you know and it feels like that forced physical recuperation impedes that right like it's really really difficult because you look like honestly at the end you look like skeletor out of like he man like you look like you you everything had gone like you you, f- you saw your mom you saw your dad and you just boosh, everything had gone I mean describe that 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 moment at the end when you you roll it because I'm
0: thinking i hope there's people there at the end. <laughs> And then all Actually, these people. No, back. no. Oh, it wasn't like that? No. Listen, there would have been a hell of a lot more people at the end if I didn't keep fighting it. Right. But we arrived on a Monday at seven o'clock. We could have arrived Sunday where everyone was off of work. Right. I didn't want to make it a big deal. I wish I would have, uh, you know, in hindsight. Uh-huh. But I, it was because of me. I was like the, li- the, the less people I got to deal with. The better but what was it it was it was relief it was relief it was joy it was it was a proud moment for my mother and father for me that their son did something like this so I was more than anything I was proud for my mother and father because for so long I was ashamed for them and I redeemed myself and that was the greatest relief and joy for me is redeeming myself in my eyes not in my parents eyes but in my eyes how how i saw myself as their son and uh, lastly i lived up to the i lived up to the man who i thought i was i
1: always believe that there's a, an inciting incident in a in a movie or a documentary that explains the entire theme of the whole thing and that embedded in that scene is the ending. Right. And I don't know if this is the inciting incident because uh, you know, I don't know if this is what Lisa decided to do, but there was a moment in the beginning of the documentary and you said, I just want to make my mom and dad proud. And then at the end, the last scene is you embracing with your mom and dad. Talk about that a little bit because it was a part of me at the beginning, given the work that I do, that I was like, Gabrielle, why don't you just want to make yourself proud? Why do you want to make your parents proud? Right. I kept saying that to myself in the beginning um, and you've just mentioned it again. Now expand upon that a little bit more. Why was it so important for you to make yourself right in their eyes? Why, why do you think you needed to fix that? If you, if you were,
0: well, okay. So here's what I learned. I learned that I was always right in their eyes. Even if, even in your addiction. No, they didn't know. Okay. Okay. They did not know. It was right. the greatest, I said, it was the greatest role I ever played. Yes, you did, you did say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, The greatest role I ever played. I lived with them for those five years. I mm. did. They did not know. Even though my mom would make, you know, you, you look homeless. Because sometimes I would go days without showering. And I wouldn't shave or anything. And I'd wear sweatpants with holes in it. And, you know, she'd be like, what's the matter with you? But never... Listen, they're off the boat, you know, immigrants. They're not thinking, oh, my son's a crystal meth addict. That's not, they, they don't go there. And so for my parents, I was old is right, for the most part, right? But for me, because I knew what I was doing, and I knew how proud my parents were of me, and I knew that if they knew what I was doing, the lifestyle I was living, it would kill them. It would It would just absolutely just tear them apart. And I did that for five years. I looked at them every single day for five years. And my dad at that time, um, you know, just, just a lot of health problems. And all I kept thinking is if my dad, something happened to my dad, I wasn't worried about my mom, something happened to my dad. And this was the state of mind that I was in Mm -hmm. when my dad perishes and I was a drug addict, it would have destroyed me. I would not have gotten out of my addiction. Hmm. It would have destroyed me. And so, you know, so that's when I say that I did it for them as much as I did it for me because I didn't feel bad for me because I knew that this wasn't who I truly was. I knew I was at some point, I was going to get out of it, right? but what i didn't know is if my dad would ever see me the way i really wanted him to see me and my mom right mm-hmm. and that's why i that's why it meant so much because they got to see the man who i thought i was that's why it was important for me
1: yeah i i i get that thanks for explaining it it's almost like as a parent myself i'm very proud of my children mm-hmm. very proud of them but if one of them decides to do something that nobody in the world has ever done before, and being a part of that experience is going to elevate that experience for me to a whole new level as well. I mean, it just is. You know? When my
0: dad died, in his wallet, he had an index card with all of the states I rolled through. Hmm. 3,100 miles, 100 days, and all 13 states on an index card in his wallet. Hmm beautiful that to me was just like what that meant that meant everything that Mm. meant everything to me to give that to my parents Mm. meant everything lovely
1: it's a lovely it was a beautiful moment it was a beautiful moment and then afterwards to hear that he passed away made the moment even more beautiful to see that that embrace at the end so thank you for sharing
0: that with us you know yeah. Yeah. He, you know, he was able to see the first draft of the film when it was two and a half hours long. Mm. Um, uh, the first cut, I mean, um, uh, but he never got to see the final cut that we all see. Mm. Uh, but he got to see the first cut. That's good. That's good. Yeah, He got to see the pieces that we did get to see.
1: Yeah. Um, right at the beginning of the documentary, you talked m- m- about your, your drug addiction and the, and the reasons behind why you're using and it was really interesting for me to hear you talk about sexual frustration because I have sexual frustration as a, as a married man living in a house with kids. And then, and then all of a sudden I have a completely different perspective when I hear that you're paralyzed from the waist down, you have no feeling and how that drives you. It fucking woke me up yesterday. Stop, I stopped fucking moaning and groaning about that straight away. But I'm really interested, and for people listening to this who are all using or being triggered for different reasons, what healthy, how do you deal with it now? Because fr- I assume your sexual frustration still exists. It maybe comes in ways it goes. Talk about it a little bit and how you cope with
0: it. Well, that's why I always say that my addiction is really hard because you can't separate, at least I can't separate sex from my psyche. And uh, you watch TV. It's sex. You know, you go out, you see beautiful women re- wearing revealing stuff. It's everywhere, especially in California. And so that's what makes my addiction so much harder. I have accountability now. I have a partner with two kids. So unless I want to lose this, i can't i can't I can't do anything, right? can't do drugs. When I do drugs, then I think more about sex. The less I, if I don't do drugs, I don't think about it as much. I have a partner who uh, continues to um, reiterate and uh, confirm that I love you for you, not for what you bring to this relationship sexually. Is it tough? Yeah, it's tough to be in a relationship like this. At least you may be frustrated, but at least you can go and whack off in the bathroom if you want to. Yeah, I can't even do that. I haven't felt my penis in twenty nine years. But you, but you're still feeling the sexual urges that,
1: that happen dude. in your body. And are yeah. you
0: kidding me? Are you kidding me? No, I've said some shit and done some really, really shady shit. Hmm. I've done some really shady shit just to get some kind of sexual release. But it's it's a struggle every day, and that's just the truth of it. And but what I've worked for. And what I have today, I will never allow drugs or my addiction to ruin any of that. Now, that doesn't mean that one day if my partner is gone away for a week and I'm by myself and I say, you know what? I want to party today. And I go and I get all because and I go and I get my porn and I just get that sexual release. If I ever did that, it would only be because, not because I wanted to get high. It was because I just needed a sexual release. And what what being on meth allows, well, it would be coke, because I wouldn't do, I would never do meth again. Hmm. Uh, what coke allows me to do when I'm high, I will never do when I'm not. Ever. Right. Right? So if I felt like I needed some a sexual release where I was just. It was, I'm just going out of my mind. I will go and do that, and not worry about me falling off the bandwagon at all, because it would be. especially I I know why I do it. Why I did it. I don't. But if I did, because I'm an addict. I'm an addict. At the end of the day, um, and um, and if that was to ever happen, I'm not worried about it. But it would strictly be because of my sexual frustration and. It sucks. It's hell on earth. That's how I described it. For me, sex is hell on earth. And there's no way around it. There's no sugarcoating it. There's no way to make it sound nice. Hmm. It is what it is. But what you that's what it. you show people like But what am I gonna do? do? But that's
1: that's what I wanted to raise it for because we we know addicts, we are addicts, we're addicts, whichever way we wanna wanna put it. And you know, there's this, there's this stimulus. I'm triggered, and then there's a response I need to use. And our job is to widen that gap as fucking far as we can. Yes. But when we're in our addictive lifestyle, and addictive state, we don't, we don't, we think we're powerless and we don't have the ability to 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 widen that gap. What you're showing through these issues you have around sex, and what you showed when you rolled across America is no. I can experience great pain and great suffering physically and psychologically. And do you know what? As a human being, I can fucking handle it without having to go to use. But if I choose to, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, that's very different. But but so so people here now are just like, oh, to fight my wife and I just went and had a drink when I don't really want to. No. <laughs> you, you, no. you don't have to. You're doing that because no. you want to, right?
0: Like right, in some aspect of it. Because then you'd be drinking all the time. <laughs> and yeah, you're going yeah, to use fighting with your wife as an example.
1: Yeah. I I think this is the difference between wanting and willing. Right. As you, as you were saying earlier on, like once you take the vow that I'm going to get to New York, I'm going to do everything in my power to get It's like you change the game, right? You change like, the game. I'm going to save my marriage. I never want my kid to watch me smoke a cigarette. Um, whatever it is, the stakes all of a sudden are heightened. And now you've got more skin in the game. Your motivation is heightened. It becomes more important to you. Now you just got to work on the confidence that you can do it. And I imagine as you went through mile by mile by mile, as much as it hurt, you still started to develop a confidence that, and you're getting stronger mentally and physically that when the real shit hits, you're down and you're like, no, no, I can fucking do this.
0: Right. Because you, because you look back and you're like, I fucking done this. Right. I mean, listen, I never go on, I never, I never go on a road trip and look at it ever the same. <laughs> ever the same. I never fly anywhere in America and ever look at it the same. Right. Because I'm looking, I'm thinking, Oh, you pay, Oh, you mother effers needed a plane to get here. <laughs> you know? Um, but, but, but yeah, it's, and, um, and, and that's the, listen, if there was one thing, if there was one thing that I can, prey on and it manifests into reality is not to heal all the sick even though that would be great is not to cure cancer my dad died from it it's to give every single person that one moment where they can live their life at their fullest potential that would be my biggest gift that i would give to the world. Nothing, not curing cancer or nothing, but that, because you know what that does? That shit cures cancer. Mm. When people will live up to their potential, that cures cancer, Mm. you know, not just the hope of curing cancer, but that in itself cures cancer because now, you know, if I can do this, I can do anything, whether it's in this, whether it's in science, whether it's in technology, you know, you, you're fearless. You're fe- you become fearless. Well, you certainly are fearless.
1: It was absolutely beautiful watching the documentary. <laughs> in a way, it made me feel so small. <laughs> but at the same time, it was like, okay, Lee, I'm always talking in my community about the need for epic wins. This was fucking epic. You need to up your game and do something that pushes you outside your comfort zone. That is what I call inspiration. So, Gabrielle, thank you for dripping that all over me. If you want to learn more about this wonderful man, go to www1000 daysobercom go to the podcast page. You'll see a little home there for Gabrielle. I'll have all the links to, to the guy. You're not speaking at the moment, obviously, because of COVID, you know, but is there, is there any anywhere else that anyone, you know, are you getting online doing any motivational speaking or anything?
0: Well, so, so yeah, my motivational speaking, that that industry, probably more than any other industry got affected really bad. It just completely shut down and it's still shut down. And I don't know when we're going to have live events. It's not going to be for another minute. And, you know, I'm a, I'm, I, I like talking to people, but, you know, for me, I need that live human interaction. Yeah. Right. I don't think that I can deliver what I deliver in person on a screen. Hmm. And so, you know, I I haven't done any, not that I haven't had the op. not that I turned down any opportunities, but it's nothing that I was searching for because I just, I don't know, it just just didn't feel right. But I've been acting, you know, I got a I got a, a pretty nice job at the end of the year. But it'll pick up, it'll pick up my motivational speaking and you know i'm just blessed uh please check it out on netflix roll with me on netflix yeah because yeah. december 31st is when our contract ends of this year uh, so the more people that watch it they'll keep it going i i don't know how it works i'm hoping hmm. that enough people have watched it where where they decide to extend it but yes please go and watch it on netflix roll with me
1: well, um we will we will do everything we can in our part to spread for our community because c- because there, there's a lot of shit. There's a lot of shit out there and this was gold. This is gold. Um it was a fantastic it was a fantastic, fantastic even my my wife even said to me how can we get our four-year-old to watch this <laughs> and, and, and navigate all the talk around drugs and stuff i was like well i thought it was pretty clean there wasn't a lot of swearing in there uh, yeah. you know like i think it was yeah. okay we can maybe do it so gabriel thank you i'm just down the down the road from you whenever you need anything you let me know and it's uh, great to have you on the guest i'm really honored to speak to you today
0: lee thank you so much it was a pleasure and an honor to come on your show and share my story and um I appreciate you. Please stay safe, you and your family, and all your uh, viewers and listeners. And um, listen, the greatest gift that we are born with is the will, is our will. Hmm. That is the greatest gift that we have. And I just hope at some point, any point in your life, and whoever's listening, that you tap into it and see how it changes your life and the people around you, their lives. It's magical. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, brother.
1: If you want to be somebody that doesn't drink alcohol or recover from any other addiction, Improve your relationship with yourself and those that you love, or just want to learn to live a more conscious life. Then here is what we can do to help you at 1000 Day Sober. Number one, we have a Strive subscription service. Okay. So you pay a monthly fee. You come and join us. You come into our community. You get access to all our Marco Polo groups. You get access to our Kajabi group. You get access to uh, content that you will not see in the public sphere mainly by yours truly, but by other people in my network, our friends as well. What else do you get? You get access to a weekly coaching call with myself. So you can get coaching, a one-on-one coaching with me on that weekly coaching call. And you get money off various different workshops and uh, invites to lots of other free stuff. So that's our subscription service. You could do group coaching programs. Okay, Right now we have two group coaching programs, Both called the Strive Method. The first one is addictions, okay? And they last for six months. The relationship course also lasts for six months. We've got Strive Method for addictions, Strive Method for relationships. There are workshops, okay? Or you can work with me personally one on one, okay? You can work with me personally one on one. And if you want to get involved in any of that, then just head to www.1000daysober.com. And you will find everything that's going on there. Okay. We have pages there on the website, which will direct you in the right place and how to get older, me, including a workshop space there as well. We're always running workshops, so you can sign up for those as well. Last but not least, if you do love this show and it has changed your life and you want to change the lives of somebody else, tell somebody about it and rate and review it in your podcast provider. I would really appreciate that. If you want to just reach out to me, ask me a question, just email me, 1kdaysober.com. Ah, at gmail.com. Much love, everybody. Bye.